I'm Mike Brady, and this is the PowerCast. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the PowerCast, brought to you by our company, CCPS. We are an electrical power infrastructure management company. My name is Mike Brady. I'm one of the co-founders of CCPS, and we bring you this podcast each and every day, Monday through Friday, with the intent of giving you guys a little bit of information, useful information, education, uh, knowledge that you can take with you into your facilities to help you guys operate a more safe, reliable, and efficient electrical power system. Mondays, we talk about safety, and we do a safety meeting each and every Monday. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we dive into a deep dive into NFPA standards and and, uh, NFPA 110, 70B, and 70E, talking about electrical power systems, emergency standby systems, and electrical safety in the workplace. Um, Thursdays, we talk about products, what products are out on the market that you may or may not be interested in. And then Fridays, we give you the news. Today is uh, Wednesday. I'm recording this. I believe this is episode 57, so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, But I'm going to talk about the introduction and the overview, uh, the code introduction and overview of the NFPA 110. A lot of people don't know the history of how these codes were derived and where they came from and when they started. So um, I think it's important for us to have a, a working knowledge of that as we deep dive into each of these code books and try to better understand or, or, or not necessarily um, uh, understand, but maybe uh, at least have an idea of, of what the, uh, the basis of these requirements and codes are. So uh, the NFPA 110 was initiated in 1976 when a national committee was formed to establish requirements for alternate power sources to be used when facilities lost power, uh, utility power. It's one thing to invest the time, energy, and money into installing a backup power system, but having that system actually functioning properly when you need it, it requires a lot more than just having it. Many other codes and standards require a system, but the NFPA 110 fills a void by developing the criteria for an acceptable minimum performance level. The first release available as a tentative standard came in 1983. So it took from 1976 to 1983 for the committee to uh, really put together and establish uh, a a first draft of requirements. And uh, they titled this release in 1983 the NFPA 110T. After public, and I'm assuming the T was standing for tentative, uh, after the public review and input, the scopes and requirements were clarified and the standards were formally adopted and the, re- and the release of the NFPA 110 emergency and standby systems came out in 1985. It was the 1985 edition that was the first official edition. So this is a direct, uh, I'm going to read direct from the code and introduction overview. Um, The overall intent of the NFPA 110 is to ensure a reliable source of electrical power. To achieve this, the requirements are divided into eight chapters to guide the user through specific concerns regarding the performance of a standby power system. The first three chapters detail the administration of the standard, other applicable documents necessary for installation, and definition of terms. The classification of the system is defined in Chapter 4 which then allows for determination of applicable requirements. The physical equipment is covered in Chapter 5, equipment that generates the electrical power. So, uh, you know, you've got your generator and and your your battery backup system or what other uh, equipment that that is there to generate the electrical power. In Chapter 6, 
the equipment that switches between the primary and electric uh, primary electrical source and the standby system, and obviously those are the transfer switches. Chapter 7 covers the installation requirements that impact the system performance. And Chapter 8 covers the continued testing and maintenance of uh, the emergency and backup power system. So adoption of the NFPA 110 is not contingent upon recognition by some other standard. The use, the user of uh, or enforcing authority may adopt the NFPA 110 without the need for adoption by reference in any other standard. So there it is. That's the uh, kind of the introduction and the overview of the 110, the basis for it, um, where where it was derived from, when it started, and uh, really, in a nutshell, what it covers. So uh, we're going to continue using the PowerCast each and every single week to give you a little more insight and, and deep dive into each of these sections as we've done in the past with the NFPA 70E and the NFPA 70B. But uh, it, we'll, we'll do the same with the NFPA 110 and take it chapter by chapter um, and standard by standard to just really dive in and give you information that, uh, that is uh, you know, just the nuts and bolts of stuff that you need to know. Um, for example, I'm scanning through... Uh, Chapter 1.1.2, the requirements of the NFPA cover only installation, operation, maintenance, and testing as they pertain to ensuring proper performance. Other codes and standards contain additional information for the need, type, installation, and use of the system or parts thereof. For example, the NFPA 70, the National Electric Code, covers the installation of the conductors, while the NFPA 37, standard for the installation of use of stationary combustible engines and gas turbines covers the general installation of a diesel in generator. So, you know, uh, there, there's so much useful information inside the, of these standards that we just kind of uh, take for granted and assume that the electrical maintenance companies and the, 